0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany, the baptism of our Lord, January 9th, 2022. Principal text for the sermon is Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 and 22, the baptism of Jesus. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I have spent just about my whole life having to explain and spell my name now on the surface you might think well this really shouldn't be that big deal right you know me as kelly hudlone but there's a trick to my name in that that's actually not my full name my full name is allison kelly hudlone and as simple as that name might sound there's actually some pitfalls in there because first right the most obvious is because i don't go by my first name which is what most people do so i have to explain that when somebody finds out that Kelly is my middle name. But then when it gets down to it it's time to spell my name, none of my names are spelled the way people think they should be. So Allison is spelled with one L. Kelly has an EY at the end, which I hold is the correct way to spell my name. And then when you get to my last name, it sounds on the surface like it should be simple enough. Hud LO but you would be surprised at how many various ways people have come up with to spell what I think is a relatively simple last name. Now my understanding of how I got my name, and my father who watches this normally on the Monday after I preach it will probably correct me on this, but my understanding on how I got my name was that my mother liked the name Allison, and my father likes the name Kelly. And so they compromised, having Allison be my first name, Kelly be my middle name, but that that was going to be what I was called. And so each new school year with a new teacher, I would have to explain to the teacher about my name. But I didn't go by Allison, I went by Kelly. And then I would have to spell my name, all of them. And then, as I got older, right now, I no longer introduce myself and have to go through all of that because people just meet me and know me as Kelly Hudlow. But often when somebody finds out what my first name is, they'll take a moment and sort of look at me and size me up and say, well, you look much more like a Kelly to me than an Allison, and I still don't know what that means. But this is my name and the story of my name, and it matters, right? Because in my name is the story of my parents and their decision to have a child and what to name me. And in my name is also carries the stories of our families and their families and the generations of people that all those begats that sort of happened to get me to this place right now. Names matter. When we look at the story in the Bible, the whole big story, we see again that names matter, not just to people, but they matter to God, right? God takes Abram and Sarai and changes their name to Abraham and Sarah. When the patriarch Jacob encounters the man at the river, right, and wrestles with him to get God's blessing, what that blessing comes in the form as is his name being changed from Jacob to Israel even the gospel of luke right that we're reading through this year c begins with angels coming and declaring what we should name john and jesus And our reading from isaiah the prophet says this thus says the lord do not fear for i have redeemed you and i have called you by name you are mine Now in this passage, God that Isaiah is writing about is speaking to the people of Israel that are experiencing exile and that are standing on the edge of restoration, right? With all the fear and uncertainty that goes with that. They are a people that remembers the Exodus out of Egypt. And now they face the threat of powerful nations all around them. They face uncertainty and they are afraid. But God speaks words of comfort through them, through the prophet. And words of redemption Isaiah explains to us to be redeemed by God doesn't mean that all the problems of the people of Israel go away right they just don't magically go poof and they're back in the promised land and everything is fine what it means to be redeemed by God is that God calls them by name and that they are also called and marked by God's own name and so in their redemption That means that where they go, God goes with them. God goes with them through the waters, right? And the waters do not overwhelm them. God goes with them through the fire and they are not burned. God will stand against the nations that threaten them. And ultimately, God is going to gather them and their children from the four corners of the earth. To be redeemed by God means that we do not face the troubles of this world alone. And for Christians, that meaning takes on something, a new sort of understanding and context through the incarnation of Christ. We spend a lot of time in the church speculating about why Jesus was baptized, right? John preached a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins, but yet we know Jesus was born and lived without sin. I think the better question to ask when we hear the story of Jesus' baptism is not why he was baptized, but what was revealed about who Jesus is in this scene around his baptism. I think to get a better understanding, we need to read ahead a few verses to a part that we don't normally read in sort of public worship because it's really boring, because it is Luke's begats. It's his genealogy to explain how Jesus is connected to these generations that went before him. And in Luke, we get the patriarchal lineage through Jesus's earthly father, Joseph. It gives us the long list of fathers and great-great-grandfathers and so on until he gets to the near the end. And it says, son of Seth. And if you remember Seth, he was the child that came after the death of Abel and the banishment of Cain. He was the replacement for that broken relationship that marks the beginning of creation. And then it says, son of Adam, son of God. And so it is with Jesus' baptism and with this genealogy and listing of names that we understand that Jesus' sonship begins at the beginning with Adam's own sonship. God has entered creation to redeem the generations and will continue to gather God's people from the four corners of the earth. So Jesus goes into and through the waters of John's baptism because God goes where we go. But the epiphany moment, what we learn about who Jesus is, is actually not during the baptism in the Gospel of Luke, but instead it is when Jesus is praying afterwards. All through the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see that what is vital to Jesus's ministry is moments of time spent in prayer. Prayer is going to mark sort of the major epiphany moments, right? So when Jesus is on the mountain and is transfigured to where the disciples see and understand him in this new way, it begins with Jesus being in prayer. When Jesus, on the night before his crucifixion, goes to the garden, he prays to God to let this cup pass from him. Jesus is going to teach his disciples how to pray. In the Gospel of Luke, he's going to have parables and teachings on the importance of prayer and how to do it right and how not to do it. And so it makes sense that Jesus begins his public ministry with this moment of prayer. And it is during the prayer that God comes to Jesus And reminds Jesus who he is. That Jesus is God's son, the beloved, with whom God is well pleased. This is spoken not for the crowds, right? We don't get any reaction of the people that are there that have already been baptized. This is to remind Jesus of who he is before he begins his public ministry. And then it's in that moment that God again does something new. Because the Holy Spirit, who used to only be poured out on a single prophet, now descends and enters into creation in a new way, in a bodily form like a dove. This scene at the Jordan, signifies that God's work of redemption described back in the the prophet Isaiah is continuing in a new way and that God will be with God's people like he always has been, but now he is going to be with us incarnate. So, in January 2022, we sit here, a gathered people joined together in our baptism and just as John taught, We have been baptized with water, but we have also now been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we have been baptized in the name of Jesus and marked as Christ's own forever. When we baptize a child or adult, anybody in the church, right, the the sign of the baptism, the words after we prayed over the water, begin with that person's name. And then we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our passing through the waters of baptism is not some anonymous act. You are called by name because through the waters of baptism, you are joined with the people of God that have experienced God's redeeming power throughout history. And through baptism, we join a community of faith that continues in Christ's redeeming work in the world today. Epiphany means revelation, right? It means revealed. It begins with the revelation of Christ to the Magi on January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany. And now our calendar counts away from that feast day, right? So this is the first Sunday after the Feast of the Epiphany. And our readings from now on until we begin Lent are going to give us stories about how God was revealed in the incarnation through Jesus Christ. It is a season that challenges us to not only consider God's revelation through Jesus, but to consider and explore about how we continue that revelation of redemption through our own lives and witness. It's a challenge to us to consider how do those around us meet Jesus through us. And that work begins with starting at the beginning of the story, And understanding that our identity as baptized Christians being baptized in Jesus' name for every single one of us here begins with that we are redeemed, we are called, and we belong to God. Amen.